Welcome to this week's of Devil's Trap podcast. We're going to talk about bloody prison socks and women crying in cars. Let's do this. episode of devil's trap podcast i'm diana i am liz and this week we're gonna talk about season two episode 19 Folsom prison blues even though this does not take place in Folsom, even though hey guys and i i may get some shit for this i really i'm not gonna say i dislike that song i dislike the number of bands that have covered it and what is it? hold on what is what does kelly's shirt say Oh, he had it, you know, he had it made for me. Um, I don't want to hear your band's cover of Folsom Prison Blues. Yes. Um, there was one year at Viva Las Vegas. I think it may have been the year you were there. We just made signs that had Folsom with a line through it and then ran around the hotel, like shoving it up. Because for those of you who are not part of the rockabilly subculture, every fucking band picks that song to cover and johnny cash has a songbook of like thousands of songs like there are so many things you could choose from so many good ones and y'all choose that one yeah it's it's a beating it's a beating yeah you you guys made me hate that song and i i twitch now if i hear it like i just start like like start shaking a little bit and get a little angry See, i don't have quite that visceral reaction to it but it is definitely an eye roll inducing cover for me yeah i don't think you were as much in the rockabilly scene as i was well i also didn't have passes to go to any of the concerts at viva that year i was just hanging out so i missed all the live music i was just running around getting drunk with everybody but uh yeah so no i don't no find another johnny cash song to cover please thank you oh yes that's all we ask you You know there's so many cocaine like cocaine blues like just do anything one piece at a time is fantastic Mm, mm -hmm. i love that song i get really happy yep that's where we get the term psychobilly cadillac from you know like it's It's good stuff good stuff just just stop with the fulsome so anyways how's your week oh you know just uh rocking and rolling and uh uh, I, I'm trying to think even how much excitement I had this week. Honestly, I don't think my week was particularly exciting. Um, unless I'm just forgetting things I've done, but, uh, no, I'm just, uh, hanging in and working and getting ready for, uh, my countdown for my big trip to Nashville as you count down for your big trip to Las Vegas. But, uh, I'm uh, trying not to curse, um, AC companies, but you know. That's what I got. Yeah. That's what I got. Right. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, we lucked out. The uh, hurricane uh, hopefully isn't going to cause, which is now a tropical storm. Yes. Hopefully that's it's not going to cause the damage that we thought, but it's probably Perfect. still going to cause flooding. But yeah. hopefully that's okay. There's, yeah. There's some coastal light, minor flooding. Hopefully it won't be much worse. And I know, um, I know there's been some power issues in parts of the Gulf Coast, Texas, but uh, fingers crossed it's all uh, passes through with just another being just another tropical storm yeah i will say though this is how like 
I'm so busy either watching crap or just avoiding the world in general. The way that I learned about that was because my electric company sent me a, a notice that there is a possibility <laughs> of, of damage from the storm oh. and that we should repair. And I was like, there's a storm coming. All right, cool. Oh. Uh, we've been having to do the watch because um, I do, you know, I do some work in Houston. So we have a, so, yeah, there's a music venue there that we care about and people that we care about. And, you know, I kind of kind of had to keep eyes on that one, do the oh shit, uh, cross the fingers and toes and make sure everybody was all right. You know, it's funny when you're you know messing with coworkers, they're like, yeah, I want to work late tonight so I can get a bunch of stuff done in case I don't have power tomorrow. Or bear, bear. Yeah. Now, as Texans, we have learned uh, how to deal without power. We've learned some hard ways, but uh, yeah. So this weekend, I did go. See, you know, I actually ventured to a music show, which is like, I, you know, I went and saw um, the Gothic legend Aurelio Voltaire. Who, if you guys are not <laughs> looking at his YouTube videos. Holy crap. He just released his new gothic home shopping where he goes to all of the TG Maxx's and other things and like finds like what the goodies are there and then talks about them. Um, but he's just a very good storyteller. Uh, went with a new friend and hey, Sean, so you did get your shout out. There you go. Um, so um <laughs> It was, yeah, it was, oh, he was just fantastic. The, the show was very small, um, which probably wasn't good for him, but was great for me. Um, I got up on stage and sang with a satanic choir, like you do, you know? So I had, I had a really good time. And then I spent Saturday binge watching Walker, Texas Ranger, because it's now on um, HBO Max. So I was like, oh, I watch you without commercials. And so have a lot of opinions about that and maybe after we do 15 seasons of supernatural we can go back into walker and diana but um, giving me a little background without giving me any spoilers so i'm gonna, have to try. I'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk the husband into that one with me yeah no it's for texas people i don't know how if you would like it if you don't live in texas but you know if you live in texas you would like it mm-hmm. um and then i also did something really bizarre uh I decided that we were missing out on some commentary. So I bought a Blu-ray player so I could buy the whole 15 seasons of Supernatural on Blu-ray. So oh. <laughs> I now have all of those and have gotten Ooh. to see the wonderful world of fucking digital, you know, like stupid digital media. Okay, so when you buy this set, and I'm not to, not to shit on these people, but I'm going to shit on them a little bit. Whoever did this this set, okay, on the end of season two, they have the special features, right? And so they give you a digital code so you can watch everything on Voodoo, but the special features are on Voodoo, so you have to watch them on the Blu-ray. And so the Blu-ray has this interactive map and it's basically like all the different places they go to and they have all these things on Harvell's and how the roadhouse was built and all this really great stuff, but it freezes like every like 20, like every time you turn to shoot to something, you have to like, actually I'd have to go in and unplug the power on the Blu-ray player and put it back in. Brand new DV, you know, brand, brand new Blu-rays Blu-ray. and yeah. brand new Blu-ray system. And I was like, this is why nobody liked this piece of shit and why we stream everything now. Yikes. Um, but it is, you know, yeah. And so it'll be interesting too to see, you know, there's a difference in what's in that content versus what's on Netflix. And just like I said, you know, I 
I read about the commentary, but I actually wanted to hear it for something. So um, hopefully we'll get some more insight on that. So uh, I also spent the weekend doing that. And uh, I think uh, crafting, I, I did some things for the puppets I'm making and I don't know what else I did. I think I, think I slept. Uh, I remembered something else I did. I forgot. I actually did go like two things. I actually left my house because, you know, me, I'm a crazy person. I cannot, I can't not leave my house. So I did go see our, um, I have a lovely dinner with a group of friends, including our dear friend, Stephanie, who um, happens to uh, be one of the proprietors of Ruminate Distilling, who makes our favorite rum. Um, and they're getting ready to relocate from high Texas to uh, Dripping Springs. So there we go. My, a little shout out because they have helped fuel some of our episodes before unknowingly <laughs> so i thought we should mention that at we least. talk about them all the time so yeah so yeah oh speaking of what are you drinking i'm drinking some coleman uh wine i forgot which one dave poured um i think it's the ken car uh he, we got our shipment from our wine club today so there we go Enjoying cool. that. how about you i am drinking a penelope sanchez cava brut because uh, oh. I wanted, I wanted some bubbles, and really, it was I, I didn't want to drink any white wine, and the only reds I had were things that I just not a fan of or too expensive, and so I threw some bubbles in the freezer, and now I'm drinking bubbles. Nice. It's always a celebration when you're drinking bubbles. It is, and I just like kava. Like kava is delicious. Yeah. And yeah. So let's just jump into this because we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Uh, so like date, like we, we bitched about, this is Folsom Prison Blues. True. It's season two, episode 19. It originally aired April 26th, 2007. Um, this is Mike Roll, who oddly did the police procedural, the one with Linda Blair and the Dana Schultz episode. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that the the other cop one, the, the first episode he directed was the you know cops and stations. Yeah. And then we have that again. Um, he obviously directs a lot more things. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, this was written by John Chabon. And, you know, really the way this episode was developed was from Kripke doing like the situational pitch and being like, well, what would happen if we put Sam and Jean in jail, Sam and Dean in jail? Right. And so everything just kind of naturally flowed from this. Um, there's some things in here that I think are interesting. Uh, one was that, so this episode was filmed during Jensen's birthday. So during the first shoot of that day, all of the prisoners started singing happy birthday to him. So they basically flash mobbed him in their okay. prison uniforms. Um, yep. So, and Deacon just kind of came as an evolution because they're like, we need to figure out how to get, get them out of prison. So that's how the character Deacon was born too. So interesting. Cause yeah. he, it looks like he carries over. So that's interesting. Yeah. It, it appears that way being someone that doesn't know for sure yet, but looks at IMDb. So obviously, <laughs> Ah, there we go. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, yeah. Um, this is the Green River County Detention Center. Um, and you figure out that they basically set up pretty fast. It's some workers working on a cell block that had been shut down. They're trying to reopen it. There's this crazy, like, plasma cutter to open this, like, metal door. It was very bizarre. Like, very, like, uh, I don't know if that would really work. But, or, like, I mean, obviously it would work to cut the metal, but, like, why would, I don't know. It was just odd. Um, but, so they get this door open, you get kind of like some fog and they're like, a, you can tell there's kind of a cold, cool breeze in their flashlights. And um, then that kind of blows away. We cut over to a different cell block where there's a prisoner reading 
Um, but you see the lights flicker, clock stops, something blows past their little cell door. Their little cell door. Their little cell door. <laughs> their little and cell so, door. And so looking at him, did he, did he look evil to you? What? The prisoner or the thing? The prisoner. The prisoner. He looked evil? Yeah. You know why he looked evil to me? Why? You know who he is? I looked it up, but I didn't recognize him. He played Rack and Buffy. He was the magic drug dealer oh, that got that. Willow high on drugs. <gasps> what? How did I miss that? I don't oh. know. I don't know. How, I guess he didn't dig down. He has a really long. He, has a, he was in a lot of things. Very, I, like, he was, I was like, this guy's been in everything and I don't recognize him. He has been everything, but he creeped the fuck out of oh, me he was and Buffy. super creepy. He it was, makes yeah, Whoa. it makes sense. So I automatically look at him and I'm like, nah, you're going to do something gross. You're going to like sell Willow for magic and, you know, fucking rack. Ugh, gross. Anyways, Ew. okay. So his name is Randall in this series, but um, in this episode. So, um, Anyway, so the prisoner is like, sees this. He's like, what the fuck? So he starts like trying to wave down the, the security, the guard, the prison guard. This is a this is a county jail, not a prison, just to be clear. Also, that's kind of an annoyance for me, but that's neither here nor there right now. And people aren't usually doing like a hard time in a county detention. Well, so. I mean, if usually. you look at play, uh, okay. So as someone who is obsessed with prison and prison shows and lockup shows. So if you look at something like Lou Sterig in, in Dallas, yeah, which, is, a, which mm-hmm. is basically the same idea, right? It's a county, but you go to county while you're waiting for your trial to come. So mm-hmm. you can be there for years because you were just waiting for things to go so it's still a county jail and not technically a prison but it functions as one so you're still going to have your long-term people that are in there you're still going to have your co's so yeah you still have some of that for sure yeah i agree it's just like they try to try to imply that it was um, i thought i I felt the episode implied they were there longer term than that but that's you know well, and I, and maybe that, 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 I can see that as your interpretation. And I thought about this too, but later on when they're talking to Randall, he yeah. talks about how he's been in and, in out, and out, right? Yeah. So it's likely he's going, and that's what they tell Dean and them too, right? That they're going there in order to wait before they get moved to a prison. To extradite. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe that makes me feel a little better then, but still, it seemed, this just struck me. I was like, wait a minute. So the guard comes running to see what Randall's yelling at. And the guard just tells Randall to go go to sleep call, and calls lights out. And as the guard is trying to go back to his watch post, what happens? Oh, he gets the door, the, the sliding prison like bars slide shut on his arm. And then you just see like him looking terrified and screaming. And obviously the implication is he did. Yep, don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Ghosts eat you if you're a dick, man. Like, you know, I'm not saying that you have to, you, as a CEO, you should be nice to all of your prisoners. I'm sure Randall is not a ball of fucking sunshine, but you're kind of a dick, dude. So yeah, you get your arm slammed. Also, I was like, why was this one cell just open? Like, that was weird. I think it was the door to the block is the implication. Oh, okay. kind of made it look, but that okay. also didn't make sense because the other end of the block, it was like a door door, I thought. So I don't know. That yeah. was weird. So we get the... um we cut to the Arkansas Museum of Anthropology three months later. And we see, uh, you know, good old fashioned Winchester breaking and entering like they do. That's what they do. Apparently mm-hmm. interesting choice. Sam just keeps talking about how he hates this plan. Dean's like, doesn't like planning it, but they're going for it. So they're, you know, hunting around in the museum, stealing shit. 
And all of a sudden they are very easily busted by police on both sides. So they get arrested. Um, yeah, so this is an anthropological museum in Arkansas. That is a lot of force to get deployed for the anthropological museum of Arkansas. Like this was those, not the those, Smithsonian. Those don't have anything else to do. Like I, I've spent a lot of time in Arkansas and uh, not of my own free will. People paid me to be there. I was not there for free. Okay, I, There are some pretty places in Arkansas. It's y'all, a very beautiful state in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's also really shitty in a lot of ways. And that museum would not have even had this security alarm. They would have had like, you know, an alarm at the door. There wouldn't be motion sensors in there. They'd be lucky they got a ring place in there. Anyways, they have no funding. It's Arkansas. Who's paying funding for museums? Anyways, okay. Uh, so they get arrested. So they're arrested. Dean makes a blue steel joke uh, for his mug, mug shot. I was entertained. And then. So, yeah. So on the mug shot time. Yeah. Uh, so when the mugshots are taken, Dean's height appears to be six three because he tilts his head back in profile, but he and he's just over six foot t- six foot two, and Sam is slouching slightly slightly, and his thing says that he's six foot five, and the crown of his head reaches six six. Okay, um, so Jensen's actually six one, and Jared's six four. So they just kind you know those numbers were not they did not measure accurately. We'll oh. Just, how dare they how dare they well they we've got dean in the interrogation room and boom 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 who walks in agent hendrickson from the fbi that's a factor here and they're like oh fuck because this is the guy who at the bank heist knew all about the winchester brothers and knew all about john and wants to fucking take them down and so i'm like god damn it this is gonna be stressful now so um he's got his uh agent reedy who's like the other agent with agent hendrickson who's this and- little bitch yeah that's what that guy looks like yeah hendrickson's little bitch that's what we're gonna call him for the rest of this episode okay go okay. on so he starts reading off the charges uh mail fraud credit card fraud grave desecration armed robbery kidnapping three counts of first degree murder and now um sam is also a suspect as well in the murder I was trying to figure out what the murders were. I think so. The shapeshifter, I think, killed two people at the first one, and then one murder at the robbery. I don't know. I didn't do the the math. I don't want to do supernatural math. I don't. I don't know if I trust supernatural math. But okay. <laughs> but yeah. So um, Agent um, Anderson basically says, like, I'm surprised you got tripped up by a stupid motion detector. It's super fucking rookie. What the hell kind of a deal? But. So he's a little suspicious of the fact I felt that Dean got tripped up by it. And then I'm like, ah, shit, Dean's obviously like, we're obviously suspicious too as viewers why they got tripped up by this. This is dumb. Um, Then enter Mara Daniels, public defender. And so she- I'm also suspicious that this public defender doesn't suck. Uh, I'm like, well, hold on. She's very timely. She's very, very early in this process. And she's very proactive. I'm not saying there aren't wonderful people who donate their time to be public defenders. I'm just saying that this seemed a little out of the norm. Uh, Yeah, again, Arkansas, public defenders. Not saying I don't have a lot of faith in your justice system, Arkansas, but, you know. Well, she insists that she needs to meet with the brothers privately right away. And um, yeah, so she explains to them that they're they're basically being held to see a judge on Tuesday. There's extradition orders for them in five different states. And she can stall for like a week or less before they get like transferred to one of these other states where all these charges are pending against them. So really fast for extradition papers too, by the way. Very, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Um, so they are transported to the Green River County Jail, um, where or detention center, excuse me, where this um, where we saw the scene occur at the intro of the episode. Uh, they are assigned very awkwardly to separate cells, and you get this just basically like I don't know. There's not even like a lot. Okay, so we get like an awkward stereotypical prison scene where they go to different cells and they have very like unapproachable, slightly scary roommates. Ta-da! So, and then they're basically, they're talking, Sam's super worried at this point. And this is where they really break down what the plan is. And obviously the plan is Dean, Dean and Sam got arrested on purpose to track down this ghost. They need to hunker down. Um, Dean makes a joke about hunkering down, getting teardrop tattoos, but in he's confident that they'll, that their escape plan will work. So they intentionally got arrested. I don't think that Agent Henderson was part of their plan. I think that is a major hiccup in their plan. Uh, they thought they were in a small town. They were just going to pop in, go get arrested, do this shit, pop, you know, stop this ghost, and then get the fuck out. But having an FBI, having the feds on their ass is probably less than ideal. Yep. Uh, so again, Arkansas, you're processing fingerprints really quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a small, this wasn't like Little Rock. I don't think that this was no, probably a like small that. podunk town in Arkansas. I'm like, wow. Well, I mean, they had a museum. So, I mean, it might've been Little Rock area. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then they make a, a bad Texas joke. I was irritated about, but that's me. Well, I know you're irritated also because this, of what it implied, this, but it's funny because he goes. Joke, yeah. Because it, yeah. they are from Texas. So it is right. funny. I know. But also like especially so next level here then complaining about jail versus prison if this is a county detention center while they're waiting to be transferred they're waiting for trial these people technically are all innocent everybody in this facility it would be technically innocent because they have not been proven guilty in a court of law unless they pled guilty and are waiting to be transferred to their prison of some kind which is a possibility but either way that's probably the minority so there you go ah so the joke the texas joke in case you missed it was you know Sam's are very, you know, Dean's saying four innocent people died. Sam laughs at that. And Dean says, what are you from Texas? All of a sudden, just blame the people in jail. Doesn't mean, or just because people are in jail doesn't mean they deserve to die. And that's fair. Yeah. yeah that, that's mean, true. Yeah. yeah. Very accurate. Just because they're in jail. I mean, they deserve to die. That's a fair statement. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. incarcerated, you do not deserve to be haunted by a ghost and have her slap your chest and like fill your veins with black goo. Yeah. That is, I think that violates a you know, human. I think, I think there's like some like civil liberties issues there. All over this one. Due process is, is, is not of this process there we go um yeah so and then this is where we hear about deacon i know we've mentioned him now but we get to really hear him about him really for the first time where dean's like look we're doing this for deacon who's a friend of their dad's um and also that sets off alarm bells for me by the way now because we've had some weirdness with john so i'm just gonna throw out there that i'm like oh great so this dumbass plan where they go to jail and now the fucking fbi's back on their trail is to go to do like a favor for their dad's friend this sounds awful <laughs> fair good point okay but either way because like because john didn't make great life choices and a lot of people he surrounded himself with probably did not either so but this he was a friend from the core not a hunter friend so, but obviously they kept in touch because he knew about the ghosties. Yes. So anyway, um, yeah. Dean likes prison food. Sam doesn't. Shocking. This, you know, continues the character Sa- trait of Sam Dean being a big old little bitch. Sam being yeah. a bitch and Dean liking food. 
That's so food. It did not look terrible. It really didn't. It's like a pile of noodles and a, and a piece of like like mediocre baked chicken. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. There's no mold. You're good. No. Um, so they've already figured out who the suspect that the spirit suspect is. They think that it is this Mark Moody guy who is a psycho killer that like did like ritual satanic murderers. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, so Matt Eye Moody is the guy that they think is <laughs> yeah, Matt Eye Moody who's practic when Matt Eye Moody went to Satanism, he became a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Um, and uh, basically they think there must be something in the old block keeping him there. Um, and then Sam doesn't watch where the fuck he's going and gets shoulder checked by another inmate because he didn't watch his personal space, which then means that he's going to get, well, he's going to get Dean in a prison fight. Yeah. Yeah. Prison oh, fight. We get a funny taxi di- driver joke in there though. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, yeah. So they get a, you know, there's, there's a fight. This, the, he fights this guy named Lucas. Um, Dean's just really cocky about it, blah, blah, blah. But, and then they both get sent to solitary. You get pulled apart by um, some of the people from the prison and then get sent to solitary. And after they're gone, of course, another inmate is a, a very large man threatens Sam because now that's, of course, what happens because Dean's not there to back him up. Right. His name, his, and this guy's name is Tiny. Yeah. I love Tiny a lot. Yeah, um, super, I like Tiny too. He's adorable. All right. So Dean's in solitary and really wants to be Lucas's friend. And yes. he does this a lot, kind of this. Like he fucks with people and then he's like, yes. just kidding. We're buddies just, now, right? Just, that just, was like a thing. We just broing like, with you, man. Like, and, and, they, and they are not receptive to this. Because no, you just picked a fight with me, dickhead. Like I, I don't want to be your friend. This wasn't this wasn't a like a playground scuffle. This is like we just got in a fucking fist fight. We're both in solitary. I'm not your bro. Yep. But you know, so we get uh, so he's trying to be buddies with Lucas and like <laughs> I thought this, I thought the line was funny, so I repeated. It. it was uh, Dean says, "I wish I had a baseball," like something about like Steve, Steve McQueen. And Lucas says, what? He's like, I wish I had a bat to bash your head in. <laughs> it's like, damn. Okay, yeah. Lucas. Definitely not friends. Or, not a fan, friends. or a Steve McQueen fan. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the lights flicker, cold air, the clock stops. Oh, shit. We know what that means. It's a fucking ghost time. And so the ghost... Um, so Dean's telling Lucas to stay still because he's hoping, I guess, that like if they don't get near or like attract the ghost's attention, that'll help. I don't really know what staying still is going to do, but cool. Um, what has that ever worked? Like, I don't know. I, that's that's a new thing, like, Dean. Please, like, they can't see you. <laughs> Ghosts don't see you if you don't move. <laughs> like, is is a snake now? It's got in, like infrared heat and it's like watching you. But also, like, if something tells me, "Hey, look out!" I'm going to be like, "What's what? What's going on?" I am going to look through. Don't look hole. outside. I'm looking outside immediately. Yeah, how <laughs> do you not? Yeah. So anyways, and you get some really, really, really scary eyes through the little door opening, the little flap on the door. And I didn't like the eyes. They were very scary. You have an eyes thing. Yes. So Diana got a scary eye. And, very the ghost. Scary eyes. and then, the, then the ghost is in the cell and it grabs Lucas and you get another close up of the scary eyes. And I didn't like it. And then all the veins in Lucas's face start getting filled with black goo and he yells a lot. And he, he did. He did. So 
I was trying to figure out where I was going to put Lauren here. And this seems like a good a time as any, um, just because like we could have, I could have done this in the first like minute of this, but yeah, let's do it in the middle. Sure. So Lore. So obviously there are a number of haunted prisons and I know shocking. Um, So of course, when my my house cleaners came today, I'm sure they enjoyed all my, why are there so many books about prisons everywhere? So now she's got demons and like, and prisons. Like what, what the fuck is happening here? She had some love after lockup and you'll be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Not love after lock up. The, the, the prison ma- prison matchmaking. Oh my God. I could not watch it. I couldn't do it. I, I tried. I tried oh, really hard. No. And it was it was so terrible. But there was a there is a new prison show I really like that's in it maybe in Arkansas. Or it's or is it yeah. Arkansas or Mississippi. And it's about this whole new like reformation program they're trying to do, like basically uh, giving people a, an alternative for, you know, you can actually learn how to recover from your drug addictions mm-hmm. as opposed to sending you off it's actually it's really interesting and good um that sounds very uplifting and not very trashy at all like the other shows it's still it's still obviously there's a bit of that you know watching people in jail type of porn thing you know so but it's also there's it's a lot of human interest so i like that show anyway so i went through a number of prisons and I did not actually go through a number of prisons. Um, <laughs> shockingly, I've just been really lucky and I've never actually been inside prison. But um, after going through things, what I finally decided on was Joliet Prison. So Joliet is in Illinois and it was one of the longest running prisons in the country and is full of fucking ghosties. Uh, it operated from 1858 to 2002. So that is a long time went from early years up into modern prison, right? So yeah. we got we got all of that in there. It's very well known. Like you have seen this prison before. It was the most famous version of it is the opening of Blues Brothers where they walk out. That's uh-huh. Joliet. Prison that's exactly break. Where my, that's exactly where my brain yeah. went. So yeah. Prison Break was filmed there. Um, also, I watched this really terrible Dak Shepard Will Arnett movie this weekend um, called uh let's go to prison i love that movie so much <laughs> so happy with his fresca yeah. with his fresca so which is actually based on and little baby ducks and little baby ducks which is actually based off of a non-fiction book like that somebody wrote on how to survive in prison but anyhow uh that was all filmed at joliet too yeah and you know Sorry. it's yeah, I, I like I love this. It was it was a good waste of time. By the time my brain was fried on Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm still here to watch fucking Dak Shepherd. I think this is fun. Um this it's also like it's really famous for being haunted, and every big paranormal show has done episodes there. Zach Bagans has been there, and of course he got all ah, I am possessed, right? Yeah. Oh no, I'm feeling so sick. Uh, uh. Thank you so much. Um <laughs> destination fear film there that was actually that was a fun episode um and also it's they had for a this was you know the state prison outside of chicago so with that length of time there are tons of famous people that have been there um and you know everyone from you know babyface nelson to richard speck uh who is the best serial killer who i almost talked about um and john wayne gacy was there too uh 
so but you know what i was like i'm sick of talking like everybody talks about those guys and i think what people a lot of people don't know is that there were women in this prison Hmm. um so i want to talk about just this that prison from a women's perspective and then we'll get into some spooky stuff and where what's happening right now with that with the women's prison itself which i think is also really interesting so just to give you like the general background of Juliet. Joliet got its first 53 inmates on May 22nd, 1858, and they were actually brought there to build the prison. So they, Joliet is made out of limestone, which is something that is well thought in the paranormal world to be really good conductor for ghosts and spirits already. But it's also Joliet is on a limestone quarry. Wait, isn't limestone the same thing as Austin stone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my house is made out of what? <laughs> okay, Dang, we so, gotta sell the house. <laughs> moving on. Okay, sorry. So these these guys come and basically have to dig up the rock from the quarry and then build the prison around them. So they're building themselves into the prison. Which That's is, fucking dark. That's like that is like, dark as shit. Like you are building the prison. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, as you, you obviously recognize that, you know, it was designed to look like a castle, right? And so it's yeah. really, it's a really pretty building. And, um, and of course, you know, they build it and it was supposed to be this huge thing. And then of course it immediately gets overcrowded. Uh, it was also used to house Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. So it, they ha- at that time they had uh, both basically, you know, the civilian prisoners and also the prisoners of war. So that leads to, I mean, from, if you're looking for supernatural Mm. things, you know, pun intended, that's kind of like, you're just ripe, right? You've got a bunch of like gross soldiers, not saying, you know what I mean? Like people who are out of work, soldiers are gross, especially them. They were all like dirty and disgusting and dying. And, you know, and then you have like, well, they were all dying. I'm sorry. No, it's just. Soldiers are just gross. It's just funny. And Cyan is or was a soldier. She's like, I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I've been I've been pretty gross when I was doing. Yeah, yeah, no, not no, especially during then, not known for being sanitary. No, especially they weren't they weren't really focused on the importance of changing your socks like the modern military is. Oh God, those socks had to be foul. That's why it was haunting the whole place. It's just their socks running around and like it's just the stench. Blood, right? There's a stench and a little bit of blood residue on their socks, and that's what holds their spirit there. You have to burn all the socks. Oh man. Uh, Sorry. So no, okay. <laughs> but so during the 19th century, uh, much like in the rest of the country, uh, female prisoners were incarcerated just alongside the men. Oh. They actually didn't even have like a separate place for them to be. They were just men and women were in the same place. Um uh, and so the first women actually came to Juliet in 1859, which is a year after it started being built. And they were like, hey, you can cook and clean. So they were brought in to cook and clean for the prisoners as they were building things. Uh, they were also doing other tasks for the administration, just, you know, women work, whatever. Um, so just Come to give you file a, these papers, file them real good. 
Yeah. Uh, so in 1866, uh, Joliet was the second largest penitentiary in the U.S. It had an average daily population of 1,100 inmates. Mm-hmm. And between 1860 and 1896, when they finally built the separate women's unit, um, there was about 25,000 men and 700 women who would go through the gates. And so a lot of this next section is going to come from a really fantastic article by uh, Elmara Dodge. And she had some really great insights and in just how, you know, what the what life was Mara. like for the Mara. Is that convenient? For the name Mara. There we go. Yeah, very convenient. Yeah. Oh, super so, common name. Yeah. So what's really interesting, if you think about how women were thought of in, you know, this is Victorian time, you know, to be a woman who goes to prison you are automatically like just confounding because when you know like this is not how a, a genteel woman is supposed to be yeah and according to dodge you know because women were viewed as being more pure and moral by nature than men the women who dared to stray or fall from her elevated pedestal was regarded as having fallen a greater distance than a male and hence as being beyond any possibility of reformation the illinois penitentiary commissioners reflected this popular attitude when they wrote that women prisoners were generally regarded as the most degraded of the their sex, if not humanity. So that's the people who are running mm. the prisons. They're like, no, nah, you know, they're already like, they're not women. They mm. suck. And they're because you're supposed to be our guiding lambs, right? They're supposed to, you know, be mm. um, you know, but they're also worse than the men because they fell so far from grace. Um so as a surprise to nobody, if there were issues with the women and the men in prison, they blamed the women. Um, because uh, uh, you know because they were degenerate so there's all these women's fault um so and also to give you an idea of like how terrible the conditions were up until 1867 the warden of the prison was also called a lessee so again according to dodge for an annual sum the lessee was responsible for providing for the physical medical and spiritual needs of the convict population in return for any and all profits that he could realize from the use or contracting out of their labor. Under this system, it was in his financial interest to expend only the minimum required to bear human maintenance on their food, clothing, and medical treatment. So basically, you were doing a bunch of work for the prison. I want to make a profit. I'm going to make more profit if I don't spend any money on your food. Hmm. And so in 1867, the state was like, you know, that's probably a problem. Let's go to private contractors, which I think if you think about today's penal system, you know, where that can be an issue because still profit is the goal, right? So conditions weren't that great. And not obviously not that different from today. Most of the women in prison were from poor and marginalized populations. And like I said, this was outside of Chicago. So up until 1890, over half were immigrant women, primarily Irish, because there was a large grouping of Irish, you know, Irish immigrants to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Although after 1890, African American women replaced immigrant women as a majority. Most of them were likely domestic servants that were convicted for stealing money, jewelry, clothing, or other household items from their employers. Others were characterized as notorious sneak thieves or professional shoplifters, while a much smaller percentage were prostitutes who had robbed from their clients. There's one story I read about a woman who was in prison for like one to like 20 years for stealing a fucking shawl. She took a shawl and was in prison. 
There was another one. He was in there for stealing chickens. Like it's fucking bizarre. But um, anyhow, so the people who run the prison are also just like, we don't know what to do with these women because they're not genteel, you know, spiritual leaders. Like, what do we do? And so <laughs> this quote, female prisoners purported vulgarity, loudness, boisterous behavior, lewdness, laughter, taunting, jesting, play, insubordination, sexual assertiveness, homosexuality, and the rejection of decorum and feminine standards of modesty, hygiene, and dress confounded and unsettled both male and female prison officials in ways that were not available to male prisoners. Like all what? these hussies, they're so lewd. And mm-hmm. they're and, and they're fucking each other too. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the original structure of Juliet was built to include a 100 cell, the female prison, within the main prison yard, and that was surrounded by another yard. So within like the structure of of the buildings, there's another building inside. It's got a yard around it, and so there's a two story building in there, and that was the female workshop, and that was completed in 1859. For a while, that was also used for the men, while the rest of the prison was built because overcrowding, and there really weren't that many women that were getting sent there. There was a dozen female convicts, and up until that that women's section got finished. Um, they were basically confined to one room, and that room was their working. E- and sleeping place and so it was unhealthy and disgusting because you had 12 women living in one room doing everything in there uh so finally in 1864 they finished you know the 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 inner prison for them and they're about two dozen about 24 and they were moved to their intended prison and they were there until 1869 and in 1867 a new warden came he was like you know what we need another unit outside of this of of the prison because you know we need space for all these men and because quote no degree of vigilance secures a great mass of prisoners from the pernicious influence of these females. It is the bane, in fact, of morality among our men. And the prison doctor also thought the women were the cause of the prevailing habit of self-abuse, a.k.a masturbation among the convicts he judged this habit to be widespread and direct cause of five six of the disease i have had under treatment as well as the inmates purportedly low productivity at work so the men are jacking off because the women are there no men are jacking off because men jack off yeah that is what they do yeah but you know of course like the bitches are there and this is all these hussies all their fault. fault yep all their fault. So the women how are how dare also, they be there? How dare they be inside their wall, inside their wall, causing men to touch themselves inappropriately or appropriately, depending. Uh, so the women were also accused of being in constant communication with the men, um, being held responsible for you know all the secret contrivances that of the plotting and because the, there's a lot of escapes from Juliet. There's some really good stories. I highly recommend uh, everybody if you dig into Juliet and look at all the, the prison escapes that happened there. Some of them that which were fleeing through the suburban town of Joliet, like where guard CEOs are chasing people down and shooting them in the streets. Ah, oh, good times. Um, so, property values stay down. Yeah, it's it, there's 
I saw a very, I sent Diana this very bizarre picture of this real estate woman who had a, a clickbait video of the top five reasons not to move to Joliet. And I thought it was going to be like some t- trash talking, but it was just one of those, our schools are really good. We have good, and then she had like these awful filler lips with like this terrible, like huge gloss in them. And it just looked like a plastic surgeon vomiting collagen all over her face. And it was so gross. So glossy. So, so glossy. glossy. And that bitch is never going to listen to our program. So I don't feel bad for shaving hair for her terrible lip choices. Anyhow. Okay. So they're complaining because men are jacking off. Women are talking to them and they're like, oh, they're in constant communication. They're, they're plotting things. And so there's another reason why they're like, you know what? The reason they're probably talking to each other. Um, a number of the people that were in the prison were recently freed uh, African-American women. And the evidence suggests that most of these incarcerated Black women were former slaves. They just entered the state. They were the youngest ever incarcerated. They were 42% were teenagers, in contrast to 16% of the white prisoners were teenagers. Um, Also, they were generally sentenced with two to three others, both male and female, which basically hints that, you know, the African-Americans as they were coming into the state were being watched really hard by people who didn't want them there. And then also, so they were being sentenced for really minor crimes, like the shawl. The shawl Mm -hmm. was one of these. but also the people they were because of those two or three other people they were being you know being tried with are their brothers and their husbands and their cousins the people they traveled with so of course they're fucking talking to them you put me in jail with my brother i'm gonna try and talk to my brother like that's just that is just natural um so, but eventually they're like, you know what? We just we gotta take these bitches out of here. They're causing too much trouble. You know, we haven't got that other prison built. So let's just put them at the top of the warden's house. So they moved these 24 women to the fourth floor of the administration building and hmm. basically cut off every avenue of communication with them. Uh, they were totally isolated with no contact between male prisoners or prison staff. They were not allowed outside except for once a year on the 4th of July where they let, were let out in the yard. While they were up there, they couldn't speak. All they could do is perform contract knitting and manufacturing and doing all the knitting and the sewing for the male convents. So they're basically just being kept in one area. They can't talk. All they can do is sew. And which sounds like fucking hell to me. I'm like, you're going to make, I love sewing. Don't get me wrong. Right. Do I want to fucking knit all day? No. And so they people said you, know, you can walk by the windows of and look at the fourth floor and there would just be all these chairs that were lined up in a row and these women would just be looking out the window as they're just knitting away so you can talk about something that is likely stirring up something that's going to cause some spookiness in a place yeah make a bunch of pissed off women sit in a row for like years and do nothing but so you're going to get some ghosts in, in silence yeah, in silence. No, I would be haunting the shit out of that place. I would be like, I, I would be stabbing people with knitting needles. Like it would, mm-hmm. it would be on. There'd be uh, a lot of yelling at night because silence doesn't work for me. So I'd have right. to get mad about that part. Man, it's, uh, I can't even, I, I can't process. So in 1896, they finally finished the women's prison across the street. Okay. So they, they finally get let out of their fourth floor and moved across the street. 
And there are a number of fascinating women that were kept in the jail and the prison, including poisoners. Uh, a lot of spiritualists were there, um, including ones who performing rituals in their cells. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of raising, you know, candles being lit and all sorts of stuff. Um, also, one of the women who helped to inspire Chicago was there. The vampire queen of Chicago. One day we'll talk about her. She is fucking great because she's the fucking vampire queen of Chicago. Duh. And so good. Um but we, I had to keep this somewhat short, so we're not here till tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to, instead of talking about the prisoners, I'm going to talk about one of the main deaths of a female that occurred inside the warden's house. So this is after, I believe, after the women have been moved across. And this woman was actually the warden's wife. Ooh. So Odette Maisie Bordeaux. Uh, what a great name, right? Right. So, so she was known as the Angel of Joliet because she had a beautiful singing voice and she was a star on the stage in New Orleans. So people would come from frown to far to hear her sing in New Orleans and Warden uh, Edmund Ned Allen was down there at a prison conference and he met Odette and they got married. And so he brought her up say, to that's, Joliet. That's, I say that's quite the Southern name for uh, being in Joliet. There we go. Yeah, that explains uh, it. yeah, yeah. That's that's not a. I guess it could be a northern name, but yeah. I, I was just of Maisie as a middle name. It's M A I Z E E. It's so cool. Uh, so they moved. They moved to Joliet, and they lived in this administrative building, which is the same place where uh, the women originally were. Yeah, this is 1915. So they the women are already gone. Uh, so they're in there, and so all the people who are attending to them are all convicts of the prison. Like their staff is just, you know, murderers huh. and shit. You know, like mm. you. Um, not, nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, so on June nineteenth, nineteen fifteen, the warden left to go on a trip, and so they he went he went to Chicago, and they were supposed to go. Him and Odette were supposed to go off basically on a vacation or something, and. Odette decided that she was going to go the next day because she had two new dresses that her dressmaker hadn't finished and she wanted to take them with her. This is much like us waiting to go on vacation and, you know, wanting like sourpuss to to deliver our packages. To deliver like, like our matching dresses tonight. Diane and I are twinsies. Yes, we are wearing matching dresses tonight that we both got from Sourpuss. <laughs> sourpuss sponsor us. Um, so, please. Please just give me more discounts because I I always buy your stuff when it's not on sale. And then like a day later, like, damn it, everything's 25% off. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand Odette being like, honey, I'll be there tomorrow. I want my new dresses. Right. So she is living there with also his two stepchildren, right? They had didn't have kids together, but he had two kids from a previous mm-hmm. marriage. And so she decides that they're going to go to the movies. So they go to the movies, they come back and uh, at 10.45 p.m. by a convict chauffeur car, of course. And according to their houseboy, Joe Campbell, also known as Chicken Joe, he went on duty at 5.30 on Sunday. Now, Chicken Joe was a 29-year-old murderer from Chicago. Um, but Odette had personally chosen him. So I guess she was like, I will forgive your murder. I like your chickens. Or I don't know why he was called Chicken Joe. Uh, so according to him. She took a shine to him. 
She took a shine. And according to Chicken Joe, at 6 a.m., Odette rings her bell, and he came in, and he filled her water container on her nightstand. She asked for the coffee in the newspaper, which he delivered. And then she said, you can go away. You know, you don't need to come back until 9 a.m. when I plan to shampoo. She planned to shampoo her hair, which makes me wonder if she thought if Joe was shampooing her hair, which is weird. Yeah. Um, or, she yeah. Fucking, or she was fucking Joe. Um, and he was she was also like hey can you take mike my terrier puppy outside to play i love that that puppy's name is mike um so people but, named for dogs are great yep so remember according to joe that was at six right okay. so at 6 30 guards started noticing smoke coming from the warden's quarters they ran out to the second floor discovered the smoke was coming from her bedroom which was locked they broke down the door. It took firefighters 10 minutes to get the flames out. Once the smoke was cleared, they saw that it had just been on her bed. Mm. She was dead on the bed. Her body was badly burned, uh, but investigators were able to tell that her skull had been crushed by a blunt instrument, oh. and they suspected that she had been sexually molested. Oh. Um they said the fire had been started by a jug of wood alcohol, which was stored in the bedroom closet, which is Clearly, where you keep your wood alcohol. I don't know why your wood alcohol is in the closet, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so immediately they're like, Chicken Joe. Right. <laughs> you know, obviously, obviously, it's the murderer that helps take care of her. Yeah. So there's also, there were two other houseboys that were on duty. All three were put into isolation. Um, and so then, you know, the warden comes back. One of the things, though, that they thought was suspicious was that Odette did not like to get up early. And he was like, why would she be up at six? Like, she doesn't give a yeah, fuck right. about the news. Like, but unless, like, she got up early because she was going out of town. I don't know. So it's possible. Um, so the... People of the prison loved Odette, but they also really loved her husband. So the mm-hmm. warden they liked had- the, so They liked the warden too. They didn't just love her. Okay. Yeah. So the warden had instituted a lot of changes within the prison, including establishing this honor system, which allowed them to do things like drive Odette to town. You know, so you can, do, you, you can get jobs, you get privileges if you're like doing things that were right. great. So they're terrified that this is going to be, you know, the honor system has failed it's gonna get taken away so the prison the convicts start rioting in the dining room and the dining room of the prison and they're like give us campbell and so they wanted to fucking lynch him and just kill him on the spot oh. um but so they they were they were calmed um odette was buried in the back of oakwood cemetery on that tuesday the city closed down for her funeral she had seven carloads of flowers that were left on her grave that's a buttload of flowers right so chicken joe does maintain maintained his innocence right but the investigation by the local police prison officials and private dicks Detectives, it's like saying <laughs> private dicks. Uh, pr- there was really no like evidence against him, but yeah. they're like, there's enough circumstantial evidence, and they convicted him on that. He was sentenced to death, but the governor actually intervened and changed his sentence to life in prison, and he died at Joliet in 1950. Uh, so probably not living a great life if all the prisoners think you fucked up his life. Because one of the things that ended up happening was that. Uh, he actually wanted to stay there, like, but 
just there was a lot of politics that were involved right. and so he ended up leaving they ended up actually bringing in like an interim warden and the war that one didn't want to change that like things just got really shitty after that like they were things were yeah. kind of good for a while and then they got worse again joliet is known as like one of the hardest places to do time in in illinois uh there's all sorts of blue songs that are written about it it's really good stuff too um but anyways no one really knows like whether or not Chicken Joe is the one. So we have an unsolved murder of a woman in a house. So we, of course, need some spooky because this is us, right? And so right. so uh, there's something yeah. in the house. Yeah. So is Odette one of the many Juliet ghosts? Uh, so the prison cemetery does have a woman in white. Um but they don't know if that's her. They think that could also be someone who died in the woman's prison or the wife or the lover of someone who was killed, who was killed by one of the inmates. Um, but also in the rooms where Odette died, people see shadows and figures. Lights in the window could be seen even after the prison was closed. Hmm. And in 2018, someone outside the prison caught a picture of a woman in a white dress. They think it may have been her. Hmm. So... Lots and lots of ghosties there. I said you can watch any of the paranormal shows and you'll see like the evil black demon that runs like blackness through there. He's fun. Uh, no. So, <laughs> so the grounds of Jolie at the main prison have been open for tours for a while, but you can't go into the internal ones because of COVID. So, but do you want to see the inside of the women's prison? Because you can, because tickets are now on sale for the newest haunted house attraction in Juliet. And that is the haunted house presented by 13th Floor Entertainment Company. The old haunted Juliet prison, the women's prison, is now a fucking legit Halloween haunted house by 13th floor. You know, the one who does all of the main haunted houses across the yeah. U.S. Uh, they have a number of features on there called Ghost Chamber and Forsaken. You can watch the videos of it. They're also planning to have a gift shop on the site to sell merchandise, as well as an area for food and drinks. So you can go get your ruin porn on and go gallivant and laugh through this place where, you know, thousands of women were incarcerated. Uh, lots of, you know, mm, yeah. That sounds shitty. Fun. Sounds shitty to me. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go anyways because I don't like haunted houses. But yeah, I know. I, or, you know, I would go, but um, <laughs> there's actually there's a new like I'm planning on going to the the Austin. Uh, there's like a, a like in Smithville they have like four haunted houses with like a bar in the middle. I'm gonna do yeah. that one, but uh, yeah. And so I have a lot of obviously I have a lot of feelings about that because to me there's like you know. I get it. We like the paranormal. I get why people go to Joliet because really when the prison closed down in 2002, it just was shut down. Right. Like it just was let. So it really is urban blight uh, where you can, you know, obviously it's covered in graffiti because everyone is broken in and the plants have taken over. So it's really cool to look at at the same time there's a bit of misery profit on this that I'm not entirely a fan of because just knowing like the shittiness of these people's lives that were there to go and like do this for your own entertainment, maybe even a little more morbid than for me. Mm. So anyways, links will will be up. If you live in Chicago, you can go check it out. If you go visit your brother in Chicago, you can go pass. <laughs> Anyways, that's more. 
Yeehaw. Yeah, aren't you glad I cut out the 20 pages of other stories? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's good. All right. So now we have cut back to the Mara in this episode, since we had a Mara in your lore, which is not a super common name. So I was amused, but anyways, um, and, um, we see our FBI agents, AKA agent Henriksen and his little bitch agent, as I think you called him. And, uh, Mara Daniels walks in and is like, look, y'all know there's a bunch of fucking inconsistencies in these cases against the brothers. Right. I mean, Look, I've talked to this Baltimore cop. She said they saved her life and helped her catch a killer. And I talked to this witness in Milwaukee that said that they actually saved her. And the agent Hendrickson's like, uh, yeah, those people are all fucking crazy. This is bullshit. These guys are bad guys. Everywhere they go, people die. That's simple. So obviously we know that Hendrickson is not a super intuitive guy, that he is very, very cut and dried. Now, also I get like, you know, he's not privy to like, there's a supernatural shit going on. Like I get that. But also, yeah. like, but also, you know, like, just to assume that all the witnesses are crazy and like that, like, there's just like a little bit of like, he's not, he, he's a little too black and white. Does that make well, sense? Well, he's, he's also very dismissive of her. And I, I, oh, I yeah. do, I, I can sympathize with his, like, you see, you know, you see enough, like, I, I can't think of yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, their names pop up at a number of things. You're going to start being like, why so is your put name, one in, yeah, why you're is your name always here? However, sure. you still talk to her like a dick. When he yeah. was like, is like the grownups are talking and trying to get some work done here. I would have punched him in the, I would have punched oh, him Oh yeah, I was so fucking condescending when she's like, it's just kind of strange. He's like, well, we're going to grow up to get some real work done. I'm like, fuck this condescending asshole. But yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I think you- But then I also, I, my, my follow-on note was also, would a, would a public defender actually have gone on her own to go meet with the FBI agents <laughs> to chit chat about some inconsistencies in their case? <laughs> but also like i'm just putting myself in mara's shoes and probably you would do this as well like i would be really mad and yell at him and then go cry in my car (laughs) Um, obviously duh and i would obsess over everything i had said for like oh two weeks couldn't wouldn't be able to sleep at night thinking about replaying it in my head every night but yes i would have yelled i would have cried in private not where he could see obviously and then i would have replayed the scene every night in my head when i was trying to go to bed for the next two weeks and obsessed about it yeah and then i would have gotten fired yeah or something i I would have i would have i would have made some complaints yeah yeah so there we go so Uh, so mara's crying in her car because that's what we decided (laughs) no she's not because she didn't fucking say anything back to them she just took it so (laughs) she's not crying in her car she should be crying in her car like big girl that told the motherfuckers off but well, she's probably also crying because she didn't tell them off. Like she's well, that, no, in, you're in right. No, way. you're right. She's crying in her car either way. Fair. Either way. Absolutely either way, Mara's crying. Sorry, Mara's women. Crying I know us. Yeah. <laughs> so she that does not make her any less of a strong, independent woman. That's just how we're she's just, processing her anger and expressing herself in private about her anger at a situation. And that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> It is. It does not make you any less of a of, of a woman or less nope. than a male prisoner or whatever, or, or not strong or any of those things. You are all those things still. But. You care. So um, we cut to Sam and Randall mopping the shitter, um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Sam's awkwardly like trying to like hey I'm trying to be buddies with him and does not know how to do any of the small talk in prison, obviously, but does kind of get around to asking about how about a guard that had died. Um, because he really knows that Randall was the one that had basically saw it happen. Um, and Randall says that they say that the stress of the job got him. So Sam kind of tries to 
you know, prod a little bit more there, but um, yeah, doesn't really, doesn't really work. I also Says, love when Randall asks him, Sam, why he's inside. And Sam was uh, like, I'm here because I have an idiot of four brother. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, that's truth. Speaking truth. And and Randall's like, kind of like, oh yeah, makes sense. But um, but he says, but Randall does spill. This block is nicer than the old one, and so Sam kind of gets to ask about. Um, Sam uses that as a segue to ask about Mark Moody, uh, Mad Eye Moody, <laughs> Mad Eye Moody that they decided <laughs> is the spirit. So, um, but Randall's like, yeah, I was totally there when it, when he died. His heart definitely stopped after the guards mm-hmm. stopped using his head for batting practice. Damn. So. Moody didn't just have a heart attack and then just pops around causing heart attacks for people. Moody got fucking killed by the guards. And poor Randall had to help mop up the blood. Um, and they all kept their mouths shut because they didn't want to have to face the same fate. So now, because they've figured out at this point, like, I think we probably left out, but anyways, but then we figured out and like, y'all watch the episode so you know. Moody is dead. Moody was cremated. Moody is who they believe is the spirit haunting them. But what is tying Moody to the prison still? Well, if there was a fucking ton of blood, there's probably still some blood somewhere. That's my joke about military socks with blood in them. Anyways. Uh, also, Well, I mean, yeah, and also concrete floors. Like, you know, like that, I watch enough forensic shows. Yeah, that, that just, that's porous. And it just sucked all that blood in. Yeah. You can lumen all that. Also, I don't want to lumen all a prison. That would be so gross. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do not, do not. Fluids, all the fluids. Uh, uh, all right. Okay, so, so let's transition from the fluids to Dean playing him, playing so, poker yeah, in the yard. So Dean like is like killing it, playing cards in the yard, making making stacks of cigarettes. So um <clears throat> anyways. Uh Sam basically fills in what has, you know, what, what's going on with the Sam fills Dean in a little bit on this. I can't get it out. So either way. I was like, you yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. Basically Dean's going to make a deal with cigarettes to find out what's going on. Um, and they make a lot of movie references here. It's just a lot. So yeah. Yep. There we go. Well, I do like when, when Dean's like wants to deal and he is just like, it's the currency of the realm as he says in the scene too and back when um, you could still smoke in, in in prison yeah yeah now so, it would just be meth so oh gross yeah mm, so now they've got a new plan now sam is super sure about this plan but dean is less than sure dean goes and picks a fight with tiny by making a bunch of like sits next to him and starts making a bunch of mean jokes about so his mean. weight including they're just donuts they aren't love is one of the lines that he says donuts are love they are so wrong um though i i may have chuckled at that one it's one of those laughs when you're like oh well that's that's kind of funny and now i want dessert but also that was really mean um mm-hmm. so obviously tiny punches dean and it's a big fight but D- tiny is fucking tough 
and <laughs> Dean's punching him and nothing's happening. Yeah, which is how I imagine it would be if I tried to punch Tiny and I'd be like, and be like nothing. Like yeah, no you know reaction. The, you know those dreams where you have you're like you're fighting somebody and like your punches aren't mean anything. And usually I figure out because I'm actually punching the air in my sleep. And I know that because once I punched a wall and woke up, it was like, oh, that explains all those other times. Yeah. Um, but that is what I imagine this would feel like, you know, like, no, nah, nothing's happening. Hit me as hard as I can. Well, I mean, yeah. So while they're fighting and the guards are kind of like kind of helping but not really jumping in yet sam goes to the kitchen and climbs into one of the vents which nobody notices which is shocking oh he's a big dude how yeah. the fuck did he fit in that vent he's a very tall man that is not going to work very well so uh then uh, one of the guards grabs dean and is basically like oh if we waited any longer you'd be dead and dean says you waited long enough um and then the guard punches Dean in the stomach with his baton, which I'm like, damn. And the reason I share that is it matters when we get further in this episode, you've probably seen it already, but it matters that this guard is kind of being a dick because he's really selling it right now. Oh, he's so, doing a good job. If you did not know what was coming later, did you no. know? Did you suspect did that was Deacon? Nope. I had no fucking idea. I'm like, who's this fucking asshole guard? Say so he did a good job. He sold it. Way so, to go, Deacon. Yeah. So dean and tiny go to the infirmary sam is in the old block finds the blood stained mattress why is that mattress still there i don't know and it wasn't there when they shot the scene earlier with the repair guys there so i'm very confused about why this mattress is folded in half and covered in blood in the in this old ass cell block for like 10 years this is fucking weird that was fucking weird. Like, you know, and granted, you know, I've seen a lot of old prisons being investigated for, for things. And there are times where stuff are left in abandoned places, but I am pretty sure mattress soaked with blood that guards caused a death by. Exactly. They're like, like, they're they're like, like, well, they had to mop up the blood so that the, so that everybody would just believe that Moody had a heart attack and he didn't get beaten to death by guards and the other inmates helped clean up. No, they wouldn't have left the muddy, the bloody fucking mattress laying there. Just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Very poor sleuth work. But anyways, so um Sam's got salt, accelerant, and matches. That was what oh, this accelerant's what they use the cigarettes to buy. Um and so they decide to so Sam does his normal, you know, you burn the mattress. Ta-da, that's what you do. So in the infirmary, we see Dean and Tiny. Um, and tiny Dean does feel bad about being really mean to tiny so he apologizes i can't tell you why but i had to get you angry i was like okay thank you dean and then tiny says that he has self-esteem problems because this old man had treated him and his brother like crap until the day he died (laughs) and then it's because his brother shot his dad you know like like you do you know So now Dean sees the appar- an apparition. It's the fucking spirit, and it's not Moody. It's some. It's not a man. It's not some look- creepy, some creepy, creepy nurse lady. So this is bad because now Sam is on the other side of the prison in this other block, trying to burn this mattress, this nasty ass mattress that's got blood on it from however long ago. But that's not the goddamn spirit, so it's not going to help them. So it starts walking towards Dean. He grabs the salt from his lunch tray, uh, but she like uses her brain power, whatever her spirit power to throw him against the wall. And he starts giving him kind of like a heart attack thing, but he's able to like finally open the salt and throw it in her face and she dissipates. 
So yeah. he's trying to calm so, his heart down, but also yell at Tiny to like, because he wants to protect Tiny now from this thing too. Poor Tiny. Uh, also, why was the prison? Why do they get salt? Like no one's giving prisoners salt on their on their food trays. You know, they're they're giving, so? No, they're not getting seasoning. No, th- no one's giving them seasoning in, in a See, prison. Like, we summer. would get like we would just get like there's little packets at least. I don't know about that. You that were whole, in like, the military, not in prison. Well, I wasn't in prison. I know, but I'm saying like a lot of like <laughs> prepackaged stuff like that. They no, 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 no they they're not getting salt. No. Um, also, not why are there little packets like in a freaking silverware? No, thing? no. Uh, not unless you buy it from the commissary. No, so I, you would have to, whole thing. But yeah, county jail, no, he's not getting a salt thing. Uh, but also, why? where the fuck are these guards? None. None guards in the infirmary. These two guys are just like chilling in these like weird cells in infirmary by themselves on a, unsupervised. It's very bizarre. Yeah, no, they're screaming. They're not like, they're not handcuffed to anything, right? No. They're just like next to each other with like a, a There's sheet no between them and them. a weird cell, like, a weird cell and a sheet between them. Yeah, you kind of deserve what's happening in, in this jail, guys. Like you, you're the worst CEOs ever. Um, I know it's really hard to fire government employees, but you know, come on. Um, anyway, so poor tiny, poor tiny goes down. Poor tiny, two for tiny. Yep. So we cut back to Sam and Dean in the yard now. And they've all figured out that it wasn't moody. And uh, you hear, poor giant tiny was one of their comments. Mm -hmm. So, but now they're trying to figure out who the fuck this nurse is. Sam is like super anxious because he thought that they were done. They had already found out that it was Mad-Eye Moody. So they, he had already called Deacon to start their escape. And so they better do their research fast. They got like six fucking hours to figure this shit out and get escaped. That's their, that's all he's got. And Dean's a little bit like, if you're on this, but is just going to try to figure it out. Um, so they ask Randall, they trade a bunch of cigarettes to find out like about like some nurse um, and they get some, and they get some info. He met her once nurse Glockner in the 1970s. And there were stories about guys going into the infirmary, infirmary with a cold and ending up in a body bag uh, with a rash of heart attacks. So maybe she had had it in for cons and was a vigilante is the idea here. Vigilante. Vigilante. She's a, she's a vigilante. Vigilante. <laughs> well, I thought I had to look this up because he was said she was doing a Charles Bronson thing with the hypodermic, uh-huh. and there was a serial killer named Charles Bronson who, uh-huh. um, who's now called like he got into like Salvador Dali, and now he's something Dali. But I thought that could have been a serial killer reference, but it actually was a reference to a Charles Bronson movie, uh-huh. uh, but. So I, I got excited. I was like, oh, he's making a serial killer reference. I'm like, no. no movie, more movie references. Okay. Um, it, Sam does make a funny comment here, though, about to, to Dean says, does it bother you how easily you fit in here? And Dean's just like, no. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very concerned and he does. Like, you're just like, no, I, this seems like a good place for him. Yeah, but I will say one thing, though, about Dean's personality, as much as he's kind of like, He's got his own loudness to his personality. He's also very adaptable. If you could look at the last episode and this episode specifically. Um, first, he just totally meshed into the world of being a PA. Now he's just meshed into the world of being a prisoner. And I'm not saying those are the same thing. I'm saying that though, and there is very different personality traits as a PA. You don't want to be as boisterous or as, you know, you've got to be, you know, kind of just on it and paying attention. And then now he's able to like be a little bit more, strong-willed but not because he's in prison um 
and assert his own little bit of dominance in his own little realm. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that he's like made this kind of like this is a, a character, a defining character trait that we're learning about Dean, even in, when he's not always likable, that he's very adaptable. Yeah. Also, when I was watching, uh, I think it was a gag reel for season two or something. When I was watching some of the features on the Blu-ray, there's a there's something where one of the, somebody on set yells at Dean at one point. Ackle was like, "What hell of a PA!" And I just I just died laughing because it, you know, I'm like, yes. I think they I think they joshed with him for a bit about that. But oh, no, sure. you're right. Um, it's also, I mean, beyond just like adaptability, it's just. What you gotta survive and like He's a make survivor. the best, yeah. Make the best of your situation. You know, like you can be a whiny little bitch complaining about your food, or you can play some cards and get some cigarettes so you can get some accelerant and burn a ghost. Yeah, yeah. You know, get your shit done. Get, get, get TCB, done. TCB, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> There's a uh, TCB or TYA. That was this. Um, the, uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna forget the name of the band it's a dallas um old legacy soul band there's tcb or bobby patterson sing it tcb or tya take care of business or tear your ass and i was like yes this is actually very appropriate for prison tcb well, or tear your well, ass well tear your ass get out of here so um anyways so Dean figures out though, he's like, look, we've got this argument with them, blah, 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 back and forth. Oh, Dean, Sam's like, fuck it, we're escaping. I don't care, we're done. We tried, that's what it is. Dean's like, nope, nope, we gotta do it. So Dean actually has a really good idea here and he goes to talk to Mara, the attorney, because guess what? You can talk to your fucking attorney, usually if they're available, I mean. So she meets him, she thinks he's fucking insane and wants to talk about the case. He's like, nope, trust me and go look up this nurse and what happened to her and where she's buried if she's dead. So ta-da, that's she, but, and she's like, still like, no, I'm not going to do this shit. You're fucking nuts. And he does like this, look into my eyes. I know if you've done this long <laughs> enough, you can tell if I'm innocent or guilty. Do I look guilty? Blah, blah, blah. You know? It's, yeah. Also look into my eyes. Look into my eyes, Mara. So lame. She, but he insists he's not a bad guy, and you can kind of tell that she wants to believe him. Like, yeah, she, I mean, she liked these guys from the beginning, so for sure. And she was on board with something being weird, and this is not just like a cut and dried case. So yeah, um, and you can like, and also I think the fact that Hendrickson's a fucking dickwad probably didn't help anything because I feel like she just wants to get him too. <laughs> now she's like, well, the FBI agent after their ass fucking shit bag, so I don't want him to get these guys now. Same. Yeah, I would I would I would do the exact same thing. Like, well, does this piss this guy off? All right, cool. Let's do that. Yeah. So Sam's like dead set on sticking the escape plan. Dean's like, no, I'm going to stay as long as it takes to solve this case. Yikes. That's scary. So they get into a shoving match. (sighs) Yeah. And um, so a guard comes up to him is like, I see the normal methods won't work with you and takes them to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh fuck, are they gonna get their asses beat? By yeah, they're gonna like, die. Prison guards, like, <laughs> like this is not good. Sends the other guard away. So it's one guard and the two brothers. And ends up this guard, this long-haired guard, like not long-haired, but kind of long compared to a prison guard. Long-haired guard. It was Deacon all along. So the guy that fucking punched <laughs> Dean in the stomach earlier on, and all sent him to solitary. Which, by the way, is a very short stint in solitary. It was like two hours in solitary for you, sir. Um, that was Deacon all along. And so, yeah. Anyways, um, the brothers keep arguing about finishing the case, though, even though Deacon's there. But 
Deacon pops off with, by the way, I've got a letter from your lawyer. So Mara did go um, to the to to look up the nurse um, and found out that her head was bashed in in the old cell block. Uh, and, and she did her research really fast, very fast, very specific research. She's she knows that the nurse's head was bashed in and the location of where she's buried. So Deacon uh, is really thank like really grateful. He wants the he just wants the spirit out of this goddamn prison because apparently it's his prison. So I don't know if that implication is that he's like one of the like wardens there or just one of the top, like one of the like head guard. Like yeah, I don't know. He's just very attached to it, you know. No, I mean, he's just, it's his prison, but yeah. yeah. So um, it says that their dad raised them right. And then he opens this like really obvious panel off of the wall in the bathroom in the prison and sends them on their way. You know. To go right out, to go right out. I was just like, and I was like, and then they, and then I'm like, dot, 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 walk out. Yeah, (laughs) and And then then walk out to baby, which is baby's parked directly in front of the prison and they're still in their prison jumpsuits and they just like, trot out and as they're walking to baby the alarm goes off so they just hop in baby and drive away i'm like this is not believable in any way shape or form they don't have to exit through anything that's searching the vehicle they don't you know okay yeah. whatever this d- belief suspended yeah. all right this there is how go. you get off yeah yeah so of course now agent h is fucking pissed interrogates deacon interrogates mara um and then we see sam and dean are at the cemetery um doing what they do they gotta go the cemetery dig they gotta go dig a fucking grave up burn (laughs) the nurse's bones we know that i I will say one thing guys if you watch walker texas stranger uh jared padalecki keeps up his grave digging skills i'm just i will say that it's not a spoiler but oh, I, I died laughing when I saw yeah, Jared. <laughs> I was like, oh, still digging graves. No matter what graves. Can't get away from it. So we see, you know, Agent Hendrickson's pissed and he's interrogating Deacon, interrogating Mara. She's like, nah, our conversation was private. But now it's implied that like, while the brother's talking, that maybe the lawyer could share what they talked about. And I'm like, mm, I don't really know. Like, like, lawyer client privilege privilege but does that count if like they escape like i don't if she knows where they went like i don't know how that would work i'm not i'm not a lawyer uh so i mean my understanding and i i deal with attorney client privilege in different ways but for this though if you have information that implicates them in a different crime i think that would eliminate that privilege interesting i think i think Uh, Anyway, so if you're a lawyer, call us, let us know. Well, so Mara does finally kind of start to talk and says that talks about this prison nurse that died in the seventies and they want to know where she's buried. And so we see the brothers doing their thing. Of course, well, we, well, we also get cutbacks to the other scene of, as I wrote, Lots of cops rolling in. To the also, in the you know, I do like Henderson's face when he's like, "Well, what do they want to know?" And she's like, "They want to know about this nurse that died." He's like, "What?" Like, he's like yeah he's that was that what i was expecting like no you not know, at all what <laughs> so yeah so then um and so but you're like oh shit watching this you're like the swat fbi's there like oh fuck they are fucked um because obviously agent Hendrickson has a total hard-on to get these guys in prison uh not not get these guys in prison but put them <laughs> in prison crazy he wants he has a hard on to put them in prison there we go um so at 
while this is all going down though. So now we've got the, the stress of, we know that Mara said something to the police. The brothers are frantically digging again to try no, to get no, these no. bones. Sam is digging and Dean has a flashlight, yeah, which fair. I mean, maybe both of them can't fit in the grave at the same time, but also but get so. some headlamps. Why are there no headlamps and baby? Like at this point. Hey, trunk, trunk has got to have some headlamps. Yeah. And we've got SWAT and like, other tactical police running through a cemetery and you're just nervous as hell. And then in the midst of this, we also have another appearance by nurse, the spirit nurse Glockner going at Deacon. So now we've got a lot going on all at once. This is this huge finale where the bones get set on fire. Deacon is saved. And then we cut to the SWAT FBI and they're running through like an empty cemetery. Mara sent them to, and we see the sign. They sent Mara sent them to the wrong cemetery on purpose. Yep. Don't treat women like shit, Henderson. Like, if you've been nice to her and respected her, she may have actually told you the fucking truth. But no, you were a dick. And this is what happens. Bitches will own you. Fuck and, off. Ro- and Rooster by Allison Chain starts playing. Yeah. Which is also about prison. So that's, it's fitting. And so. yeah. And the brothers really know that they are kind of fucked. So they got to figure out how to not. They got to go deep. They got to go deep. Go deep. So deep. So deep. So deep. But yeah, so that's it. Uh, it was a fun episode. Yeah, I I highly and know you said like you were uncomfortable through some of it, oh, but uh, I I just think it's a very well done episode. I think there's some good twists and turns. There's some good ghost stuff. Uh, there's some the side characters I thought were all really good. I mean, as much as I hate Henderson, like I thought it was an appropriate place for him to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not likable, but it's not like you're like, he's a character that you dislike because of the story. He's not a character you hate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, I'm not like, oh, get rid of this motherfucker. I'm just like, oh no, he's there. Something bad's going to happen to the brothers. You know what I mean? That's just because it's intense. And uh, he was condescending as fuck tomorrow. That sucks. What a dick, you know? But I'm not like, can we get rid of this guy? (laughs) It's just a... Well, if his, but I will say also, if his little bitch agent dies, I come sad. I like as like as much as Henderson is like he's at least I don't know he cares about his job. Little bitch agent, it's just a dick. So noted. Noted. All right. Any other notes? Thoughts? That's all I got. That's all I got this week on this one. <sighs> all right. So it was it was a long time. This is a long episode, guys. Sorry, but you know it happened. Prison. Prison. You know, I've got things to say about prisons. Liz has Liz's prison stories. That's true. Liz's prison stories. I'll tell you by the campfire one day. Mm. All right, guys. I think that's it. So cheers, jerk. Cheers, bitch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Devil's Trap Podcast, Twitter, Devil's Trap Pod, or you can email us, Devil's Trap at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share it with all your friends. We're available at all your major podcast listening devices, or you can always find us at devilstrappodcast.com. Thanks! Devil's Trap Podcast is a Don't Be a Dick production. Meow! Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Roscoe. Meow! Meow!